Come and dream with me. Hello, welcome to Body Will Watch the Explosion Network's premium media podcast. Every week we get together to talk about movies, TV, and online content. Help you answer the question, are we doomed to have the discourse about worst movie of the year lists every year for the rest of our lives? Yes. I'm your host, Ash Nobly. Join me today, Dylan Blight. I hope not, because they're dumb. I think, as I saw pointed out by BD on the on X or Twitter, uh, the problem with these lists are they're not the actual worst movies of the year. Because if you were actually going to look for the worst movies of the year, you'd be looking... No one actually the watches them. Exactly. Yeah. So it's just these ones that these critics want to, like, Shit brag on. Yeah. Or be pretentious about. Yes, it comes from a mean-spirited place. These lists, yeah. which you know, rub certain I, people. I think I saw. It. I can't remember. Was it Scott? De- I think it was Scott Derrickson. No, I'm going to go with him because I feel like that's what he was tweeting the other day about them, saying they're terrible, which I agree with. Um, and then someone like in the comments had a go like, "Oh, I should like you know, you can't be anti-criticism or whatever." And then he came back and was like, "No, I'm not anti-criticism. Like, if a movie's bad, it deserves to be called out as bad. Like, if it's badly acted, it should be badly acted, whatever. But like, you're not like this isn't criticism. It's setting out just to make, hey, here's shit things that I think are shit. Like, it's not from a point of actual criticism. It's just out to be no. mean spirited. Yeah, it's not criticism. Yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's yeah, intention is very much." the key to you know yeah it's just for clicks it's very much just for the no, clicks. absolutely and, yeah. and it gets a ton of clicks so i mean they're going to continue effort that's the problem yeah but i agree i don't i don't like the yeah i don't like them all right on today's episode we'll be talking about what's in our watch history going over some film news giving some thumbs to trailers and giving you this week's top three uh i'll kick things off i've been lucky to see a few things that are going to be coming out this boxing day uh so just last night i went and saw the new will glock movie anyone but you which of course stars glenn powell and sydney sweeney uh they play uh two people who have like a meet cute uh and but have a terrible misunderstanding and kind of leave their first date on bad terms and thus become mortal enemies uh kind of uh but it turns out he's best friends with uh a woman who's dating the Sydney Sweeney's character's sister. So, you know, they're forced to intertwine and socialize. Uh, so when that pair decides to get married at a distant destination wedding in Sydney, they have to fly from America to Sydney for the wedding and uh, try to get along. Uh, the story is loosely based on Taming of the Shrew. So there is, like, trying to pair them together to, like, uh, you know, get them to get along i guess uh is the concept of taming the shrew um yeah so they kind of go along with it it's just a bunch of misunderstandings and uh you know manipulation and puppeteering and that kind of stuff it's a lot of fun obviously glenn plough sydney sweeney they're very charismatic uh they're very sexy uh they look great on screen they have really good chemistry really fun banter there's some enjoyable uh you know sequences um they pull uh, a song from you know the mid 2000s i want to say off the top of my head that uh, i'm sure people have forgotten about that you know was a banger at the time but you know they, they bring it back into the mainstream i think um but yeah i think the th- 
it's interesting watching this movie as an Australian. Because <laughs> I don't think we, we obviously don't see very many movies set in Australia that aren't Australian. You know, or at least not mainstream big movies. And we're going to have like this and Fall Guys, the Fall Guy uh, next year. I was going to say, we kind of technically we've had a lot set set in australia like filmed in australia but not yeah. in australian yeah lately. filmed in australia and set in australia is different obviously this is very much set in sydney like the harbour house the they had the sydney darling no, the sydney opera house feature prominently in the plot to the extent where they're like they consider it a romantic spot in the same regard as the eiffel tower but obviously to a lesser extent not, uh, not a thing, thing. <laughs> not a thing um but then I'm like, is this 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 thing where we know something, but maybe the Eiffel Tower isn't actually a I don't know. Like, are we been tricked? Yeah, it's propaganda. Maybe someone started again. the propaganda of the Eiffel Tower being a romantic spot, and it became a romantic spot. So, why not? Um, yeah, it's a lot of fun. Really enjoyable cast. Um, Brian Brown plays uh, so Alec Alexandra Ships' uh, stepfather. But, but he owns the that he owns the big Australian estate, so that's why they're having the wedding in Australia. Um, and he's just doing his normal accent, so it's a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, some of the best bits are like them attempting to get uh, the pair together, and the, him and uh, his stepson like doing terrible acting <laughs> to try and uh, convince them. It's like, and I think uh, an amusing thing for me is like they pull like direct lines from Shakespeare at certain points. And the joke is, oh, I just came up with that, uh, which is you know amusing in the moment, but um, <laughs> which I when I explained it that way, it doesn't sound very amusing, but it was at the time. Uh, I mean, yeah, it's a fun rom com. We don't see them on the screen uh, very much anymore. They obviously really relegate relegated to streaming services and that kind of stuff. So um, it looks really I have, good. I have, a, I have a big question. The biggest question about this movie has been they like keep pushing it as like, like ultra sexy, um, bringing sexy back to rom coms. What's this rated? Like, what's the what's the sex level? Uh, it is. I want to say M, off the top of my head. So it's not it's, actually like. I mean, it would be R in America. I assume there is someone topless on the beach, and there is a, a the so. <laughs> So Glenn Powell's character, uh, X, is uh, lives in Australia. He's coming to the wedding. Uh, she is currently dating the most bogan surfer dude Australian. Um, so at one point he goes to have a shower at the beach shower, completely naked, uh, and is talking about how sand gets everywhere, mm. including up. Several terms to describe your crack, and mm. several terms to describe your penis, mm. and is then there is a shot of him holding his penis. <laughs> okay, so it's got like nudity. In it. So there is some nudity. There is I don't want to spoil anything, but there is limited sex scenes. Um, but you I'm don't. only asking because they keep marketing it as this like bringing sexy back to Rome. I feel like, like that is maybe played into from you know the rumors around Sydney Sweeney and Glenn Powell and like. Just, I feel like that's mostly just marketing. They're fucking on the set. <laughs> <laughs> They're cheating on their partners. You know, it's got to work for some couple eventually. Um, Spider Woman's a homewrecker. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, it's enjoyable. I mean, 
you know, it's nice seeing Australian wildlife like setting and that kind of stuff. There's a koala in this movie. <laughs> there is a koala. It's a funny There's scene. There's a huntsman spider. There he is, you know. Uh, and it was, it, it, they drove to that spot. They didn't just, just rock up in Sydney and find that, that spot. They went specifically out for a hike, you know, yeah. which was an issue you had with the trailer. Um, You're right. But yeah, it's enjoyable. I just, yeah, I mean, it kind of goes the way you expect, seeing, especially seeing it's based on Taming the Shrew, but uh, I had a good time. A lot of laughs, especially my audience. Um, it, yeah, I feel like it will definitely play differently to Australian audience than to every other audience. Mm. Just because, you know, we understand the references. There is a running joke of when somebody wants to leave a situation, they point in the distance and go, oh, is that Tasmania? And, and then walk off. So, shit joke, not funny. It's pretty great. It's funny to me. <laughs> so yeah, uh, anyone but you coming out Boxing Day. Uh, and then I've also watched uh, Migration, which is the new Illumination film uh, featuring uh, Kumail Nujani and Elizabeth Banks as two ducks. Uh, so they <laughs> they live in a pond. <laughs> uh, migration is happening. Their kids and Elizabeth Thanks Duck want to go on migration, but Kamal Dujani is like very much a want to stay where they they always stay very careful, anti adventure. Uh, but you know he's it's Jamaica, right? That in the trailer, I think they I want them, that's like, their aim. Is that a real Jamaica. thing? Like they hibernate, they migrate to Jamaica. Like I don't know if every bird does, but they mm-hmm. I know they do. Go That's south. where they want to go. Okay, right. yeah. Uh, because another group of of birds comes to the pond, and they're like, "Oh, we're going to Jamaica." Because I just have questions about the like, where where are they when the movie starts? Like, in what do they say? Like, what country or area they're in? They're in America. They're in America. Okay, so I just want to know, like, if you're in America, like, and they're attempting to go south, is that how you get to Jamaica? <laughs> Or is that the? Is that yeah, that's funny. Well, I'm pretty sure. Well, I'm pretty sure at the start of the film they go north to New York City, which you saw in the trailer, which right. is the opposite direction. Yeah, that's um, what I'm thinking. I'm like, I don't know. I feel like they're, they're just terrible. But they, like, you know, yeah, they obviously, you know, they're used to just staying in their pond every winter. So you know, mm, the the internal clock is compass is messed up. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's a road trip movie, family road trip movie, but with ducks. <laughs> with uh, animal shenanigans. Um, there's a very enjoyable sequence involving pigeons uh, fighting over a sandwich. Uh, they encounter a cook who wants to cook, desperately wants to cook duck. Um, hilariously, this with movie features... Or whatever it is. Hilariously, this film features a very scary heron uh, who may or may not want to kill the protagonist. Um mm. And uh, yeah, it's enjoyable. It's it's you know for kids. I just feel like I would you know during uh, a lot of road trip comedies, there's like a bunch of different set pieces or places that they go and like have little small moments or skits. I feel like this was missing like two or three, like to kind of stretch it out a little bit. Even though it's it's a kids movie, you don't want to be too long. I just feel like there wasn't an, enough variety in the. Uh, road trip-esque moments mm. to to make it really good. 
but yeah, it's an enjoyable movie. You know, the cast is really good. Um, the they have two actual kid actors doing the kids and that kind of stuff, and they're quite adorable and that kind of stuff. Um, the animation is, you know, illumination esque. Do you like uh, illumination stuff in general? I mean, it's fine. I mean, it then is pretty safe. I feel like it's probably you know the best term. Uh, How do you feel about minions? I'm. I'm Pro not anti. anti? Okay. I'm not anti. <laughs> okay. um, but yeah, they do. They uh, at the start of the film, like he tells a story about uh, to try and scare the kids to like stay in the pond or whatever. Like if they leave the pond, they'll get murdered by a bunch of different animals, predators or whatever. And that's like done in like a really cool two D art style uh, that I kind of wish they would do again, like for a full movie because it looked pretty cool. Uh, also in front of, speaking of Minions, in front of this uh, film, there was a short film called Mooned, um, which is set, I want to say, after the second Despicable Me 2 movie, the second Despicable Me movie, with the villain of that movie who, at the end of it, gets stuck on the moon. And it's just him trying to get back on, back to Earth. But, you know, meanwhile, another Minion has, like, crash-landed on the moon. Uh it's it's very unrealistic, is what I immediately thought. Because he the minion's not wearing a, any kind of. Are you telling air. me that the Despicable Me slash Minions franchise is unrealistic? The pressure of space would completely destroy any of them. No. Uh, and at one point, the villain of the fi- film takes off his spacesuit and is just in his tidy whities, and yet he is not freezing to death. But it's fun. There's fun, some fun gags, you know. Uh, he he tries to move the the moon rover off like to a through a like U shaped crater to like so he can use the gravity to like fly him up back to Earth. But he accidentally he needs to move a rock, so the rover goes down and just hits him a bunch of times. See, none of your problems sound like problems to me, and all of that sounds very funny. <laughs> it's just something about, cartoon something about, logic. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like, to me, Illumination, like, the minions and stuff, it's sort of, like, to me, like, the closest we have to sort of absurd Looney Tunes humor at times, yeah. like, with what they do. No, that's um, completely fair. This is me being super nitpicky. Because, <laughs> yeah. like, some of their jokes are really dumb, but I just find them funny. Like, even in the trailer for Migration, I've watched it a couple times, but in the couple times I've seen it, I just find the whole part in the trailer where they're, like, talking to um, Wakafina's character for the first time. It's like... Did you say your name was Chump? Yeah, yeah, Chump. So listen to your Chump. What'd you call me? Oh my, no, yeah. no, I find that funny for some reason. <laughs> it is pretty funny. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yes, so, you know, it's it's pretty fun. Migration, you wouldn't waste a day taking your kids to go see it. I think they'd enjoy it. So check that out on Boxing Day. Uh, all right, let's talk about the other bird movie that we've watched recently. The Boy and the Heron, the latest... Uh, film from Hayao Miyazaki uh, fr- of Studio Ghibli fame, I guess. <laughs> mm. Number one in the American box office. I don't know if it was number one. I didn't actually check the Australian box office. Uh, um, last week, as of the Thursday, from where I gave my stats from, yeah, who only released them weekly on Numero, uh, it was number four. Hunger Games. Yeah, Hunger Games number Hunger one. Hunger Games was number one. Troll 
Vance given Napoleon, and it was number four. That's crazy. Uh, but yeah, we both saw The Boy and the Heron. Of course, we did a very long-running podcast called the anime, uh, Studio Ghibli's Animated Wonders. Dylan, what do you think of The Boy and the Heron? I loved it. I thought it was fantastic. I think it's not a. I think it's way too deep to be, um, to work as just a, a fun kids movie or whatever. But I, um, yeah, I, I definitely feel like it's Miyazaki continues to just make these movies that are so like he's so old. <laughs> <laughs> Like, but somehow still just making such um, interesting films with um, ideas. And, like, this one's so thematically, I guess, tied to um, his life, which is, you know, the whole idea of it to a degree. Um, yeah, and I, I love the animation. I felt like it was beautiful. Um, I think the voice acting, all in English, which is how I watched it, especially Robert Patterson, which no one will really recognize, I guess, because he has such a. I couldn't no. even attempt to do an impression of it. Um, I mean, even Christian Bale, I didn't realize it was Christian Bale. <laughs> I realized it was Christian really Bale. Could. I could hear Christian Bale, but um, Robert Pattinson, if, if I didn't already know he was in the film, I would have um, I would have had yeah. absolutely no idea. Um, but yeah, I, I, I like the slow build. I appreciate such the, the fact that it's just not a movie and a, a deep brush to get you to the quote-unquote fun stuff. Um, it spends its time building up and then slowly just unravels and the movie gets more and more sort of ridiculous as it leads up towards the end, I guess, which um, it just start, it starts so grounded and then like, it's just like, oh, it's normal sort of life and war and terrible things. And, you know, by the end of the movie, it's like absolute insanity. So, um, you know, without spoilers, I think the ending um, I thought worked for me on the emotional level. I thought it was really thought-provoking um and i remember driving home in my car just just you know i was just thinking about it over and over so it, it definitely worked for me uh i think it is beautifully animated there are some incredible sequences in this film especially like anything involving like the hospital fire like that whole sequence like which i think for the first time has miyazaki actually got help to do like which you know hopefully yeah. Prolongs him making more films. Mm. Actually, different animation style, different like frame rate, like different mm. like yeah. The score to this film is amazing, like incredible. Uh, yeah. The cast is really way. good. It's on yeah. Um, yeah, it just didn't quite click for me. I like I was having a good time, but I yeah. I'm hoping this is a film that you get out more out of the more times you watch it. And, and like you know it that's going to be you know it resonates more the more you watch it um it's definitely like you said not your standard you know kids film or like just story in general it's not your basic plot a to plot b to point point a to point b point c there it weaves in wild directions very allegorical and metaphorical at certain points um I'm sure there's many a breakdown as to what every single character in this represents and means, obviously, with the intention this was would, would be Miyazaki's last film. Whether that's true or not, we don't know, seeing as he 
it sounds like he went straight back to work to work on stuff. If it was it's, his last film, it would be a fitting last film, I think. So, but I mean, you could say that about The Wind Rises, which I think would have been a very fitting last film as well. So, yeah, I think that the thing about like how if people do breakdowns and stuff on the film is people are going to want to be looking for the right answer, and I just don't think that this is a movie in which Miyazaki set out like to say here's like my deep rooted meaning and like my and here's what I think the answers because the film a lot of it boils down to like um I guess like (laughs) the fact that you can't answer straight I'm trying to say about spoilers like (laughs) I think like boils down to like tradition um the sort of the legacy the the ever the never-ending nature of upholding those things but the the problem is that the ending and the reason i think it struck me and like had me thinking in my car is and i i realized this straight away but i think some people are are incapable of realizing that some people make movies about actually giving you the answer because they don't know it and they just want to pose a question you know Hmm. um i don't think the movie gives you an answer as to like it sort of just says all of these things are problematic and you know, like this never-ending cycle of of things to a degree, but the movie doesn't actually give you an answer. I know, and maybe that's why some people won't like it. But it's, I just don't feel like, I, yeah, I'm definitely of the belief that it, just because someone brings something up in a film and it's an interesting subject matter, that means that you suddenly have to have the uh, the thought-provoking answer to all of world's problems. You know what I mean? Like, especially yeah. because, so they they have that book featured in the movie which was like sort of the basis of it um how do you how do we live or whatever yeah which was the title of it in for a while yeah um but the from my understanding and i've I've started like reading that book it's not it's not at all like anything to do with the book it's just like that. i think it just inspired inspired the story that he wanted yeah but like that movie is a question you know not an answer and i think that's the i think that's the point of the movie as well the movie is a question not an answer hmm But yeah, I look forward to having like a full discussion and like after doing a lot more reading, I feel like it may be watching it again. Yeah, that's why I saw I sort of don't want to rush straight. I want to do this year Ghibli podcast, but I, I feel like I'd like to rewatch it. And B, I still feel like I need more time to like I, yeah. I like here's our like reaction thoughts. Even hey, like, like we've it. been sitting on it like a week. <laughs> it's like Yeah. Like I know I like it, but I like I, I'd prefer to like Yeah. Yeah, maybe watch it again. Maybe I admire it. I don't know if I like it or I don't love it. I know that. <laughs> yeah, I know. I definitely like it more than you, based on my your initial reaction. To it. <laughs> yeah. All right, Dylan, you've went and watched Wonka, a new film starring Timothy Chalamet as the famous chocolatier. What'd you think? As a I massive really... Paddington fan. Yeah. Padding to bear. He's my favorite. Um, yeah, I really, really liked it. I thought it was great. I um, <laughs> I don't really have too many problems with it, to be completely honest. I thought it was, it's, it, it, as far as doing a prequel origin story to Willy Wonka, it sort of is, it fits so perfectly into the, the world, I guess. Like it doesn't, it doesn't, like it doesn't feel like an unrolled owl 
thing like you know it feels like he sort of was involved even though he's not so like it, yeah. it just magically sort of fits into there i thought it's like absurdist with this whole like chocolate here um what would you call it like what do they call it chocolate here uh like gang uh, cartel like, cartel yeah and that's like uh, ridiculously over the top the the characters within like but there, there's so many elements of this that just reminded me i guess like poking like with it you know that when when he gets captured or whatever and forced to do the cleaning um like that whole stuff it just reminded me of like paddington in jail and like just such <laughs> these like mix of characters and um whatever else sorry is going the sequence on. of the idea of paddington in jail still is funny <laughs> 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 all these years later yeah um king mark mckay's fan uh, keys just like uh, just getting paid off and getting ridiculously huge off chocolate is i don't know but i found it funny you didn't find it offensive that was your concern that was it i know that people like i get it like to the point it is like i don't know like i i don't feel i i don't feel like it's mean spirited it's just like a a no it's not uh, not addressing all overweight people is just like specifically this person it's due like to the this, circumstances of yeah, what they're doing. And it's sort of like he is yeah, he yeah, he's a ridiculous character. I was, I was like, <laughs> um, here Grant Oompa Loompa was great. A uh, lot less of the Oompa Loompa mm-hmm. than I thought, um, but I think that's perfectly fine. Um, Olivia Coleman and Tom Davis I think would be the standouts from the film actually. They're, <laughs> them working together was fantastic. Um, and then Timothy Chalamet, I think in context within the film is a lot better than any of the trailers did justice for him in it. Um, and I really liked all the songs. I thought all the songs were fantastic. Um, none of them are like as good as the original film, but I also don't feel like I appreciate that they didn't try to like just do weird remixes the entire time or so- like just similar sort of stuff. It's like all new songs, it all works, it's fine. They build up to like, they play one at the end and, you know, it's it's fine. Um, yeah. yeah, really, really, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was really good. Yeah, I'm good. Yeah, I'm, I'm happy that Wonka's doing well because you know it's a it's a delightful movie, and, and we need more stuff like that. You know, uh, yeah. The only thing it's interesting to see the reaction. Like people are upset that you know this doesn't tie too closely to I guess the Gene Wilder version, um, who's a lot more cynical and that kind of stuff. But it's yeah, but like this. There's time for him to get super cynical. <laughs> yeah, that's the whole point, I thought. Like, this is, you know, optimistic. young and uncynical and optimistic. And then by the time you get to Wonky, he is cynical because of the world and stuff. So, yeah. All right. Uh, so, I watched Silent Night, the new John Woo film starring Joel Kinnaman, uh, in which uh, a man loses his son on Christmas Day and then decides to spend after getting shot in the throat and being unable to, unable to speak anymore, decides to go kill all the people responsible for his son's death. Uh, this is a movie that I feel like everybody should go and see. Because then you'll understand the importance of good fucking dialogue. This movie is boring as shit. And... <laughs> it's just ridiculous... On such a high degree, just super unrealistic. Because the thing that he's going for here is there is no dialogue in this movie. So this entire year, a man and his wife have absolutely no conversations. At no point is she like, I love you. Oh, I'm so glad you're alive. Oh, uh, you know, where are my keys? 
nothing. It is bonkers. The, the, there is no communication at all during this movie. Every everything, anytime they try and get a message across, it's got to be like hardcore context clues, charade shit uh, to try and <laughs> explain it stuff. Um, I feel like you're also describing John Wick to the degree, so. Don't, but they talk and like have you know discussions and like have personality. I mean, this I I knew I was in trouble when this movie opens with like a three minute like credit sequence uh, with just Joel Kinnaman like running in slow motion and then just intercutting cutting to different parts of his body as he ran. Um, yeah, the movie takes so long with its setup that you're so uninvested in this film that when the action actually comes about, you don't care. Um, and the other thing, there's a cop played by uh, Kid Cudi, who Joel Kidman apparently forms a relationship with, even though they don't talk at all. And they're willing to die for each other. It's a fucking dumb movie. <laughs> don't know how you really feel. <laughs> it's just... Oh, I mean, there's some cool transitions and that kind of stuff. Like he's going for like those are like the only interesting like filmmaking elements. I feel like, but man, this. Have you ever watched a John Woo movie before? I watched Face Off early. <laughs> you know, I watched uh, Red Cliff. I want to say one and two, part one and those movies. Um, I watched Miss Impossible too. So <laughs> I watched a couple. But man, this was rough. This was this the the roughest sit in cinema I've had in a long time. So yeah, Silent Night. Don't watch it. <laughs> <laughs> Don't watch it unless you want to. Yeah, again, understand the importance of dialogue and banter and you know comedic relief, all that kind of stuff. Just showcase. It's a fun thought experience experiment. What if we made a movie where there was no dialogue? Uh, and sometimes mistakes need to be made for the betterment of <laughs> cinema. <laughs> so yeah, there's that. I uh, also went and watched uh, One Life, which is also releasing on Boxing Day. Uh, so this is a film about Nicholas Winton, who was a British humanitarian during the Second World War. Uh, he got, went to Czechoslovakia uh, just prior to Hitler's invasion uh, and helped with uh, moving trying to get children out of the country um, so they weren't, you know, ravaged by the war. Uh, a lot of them being refugees from uh, Poland and that kind of stuff. Um, and kind of is to is told in current day with him trying to, like, come to terms with, you know, I guess not being able to save enough people, in his opinion. Uh, and then, obviously, the events happening in World War Two. Uh, with uh, the current day being played by Anthony Hopkins, so you know it's really good. Uh, the older, the, the younger version being played by Johnny Flynn. Um, yeah, just a interesting story. I don't know if there was enough here for a m movie, <laughs> um, or at least the way they tell it. I feel like you know it just kind of it's it's like really an interesting story, and obviously uh, the kicker is like at the end he like. Uh, you know, he kind of gets reunited with a bunch of the kids who he saved or whatever. Uh, if you saw the trailer, I'm sure that's like not a shocker. Like the way it's set up is like, I kind of knew that a big reveal was coming. Um, but yeah, you see, it's a nice light, well, not light, uh, 
it's a nice drama, a little bit of an uplifting story. Uh, Anthony Hopkins, very good. So, One Life, if you're into those kind of World War II story films, check that one out. Uh, Dylan, you've done a bit more catch up. Uh, you watched No Hard Feelings. That movie. Oh, Jennifer Lawrence. Um, Jennifer Lawrence. <laughs> sorry, too. Sorry. Banging a cause should. <laughs> um yeah i thought this was good um definitely in the realm of hey we're doing like harder rated or american harder rated comedies again i guess mm-hmm. um i thought it was fun um sort of uh didn't go ex- the full direction i thought it was which i thought was good and i i feel like it had a lot of uh really ridiculous scenes paired with weirdly being quite um sentimental by the end like I, I really appreciate it by the end that the um it was like a nice ending i felt for for how everything got together um but yeah jennifer lawrence is great in it she's playing such a over-the-top ridiculous character um but also i want to shout out to uh laura Bernardi and matthew broderick who as the parents i just thought were completely something special um and um yeah i mean never seen a girl get kicked in the crotch before that way but yep there you go. yeah i've seen somebody body slam someone naked before so i've seen that but i've never seen that on like, a beach yeah <laughs> well, i don't know on a beach but i've seen people get body slam naked sure i can't say i've seen that like, <laughs> okay <laughs> so what do you think of the man eater scene the man eater scene in the on the piano oh that was really good that was really good um like actually good surprise like yeah it's pretty this, is ba- this is a banger, you know? Put that shit out on iTunes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Alright. Uh, and then you watched a film that I've been toying with watching. Uh, Lost City of Melbourne. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. It's, um... It came out last year? I think it's been on my list. It's been sitting on my list of things to watch for a while now. Um, yeah, it's, it's sort of like just this... Obviously, because it covers like Melbourne, you know, like ni- early nineteen forties, fifties, wherever it starts, um, through to modern day. Um, a lot of the there's not like a lot of interviews during it. You get lots of that footage. You know, you can tell when footage is really old, where people don't have. Ca- you know, these days you're filming down the street, and I was like, give them two fucks, and they're like, just like fuck off with all your TikToks you're filming in the street. But you go back to like nineteen, like nineteen forties, fifties, people. It's like, oh shit, there's a dude with a camera, and then you always have those people that are like walking right in front of it, or like staring at it, like because it's like such a like, oh my god, what is that? Sort of yeah, you get some of that. Um, but yeah, it covers, it basically just covers the, how Melbourne was built and how it was such a, in that 50s, 60s deemed as like, sort of really like one of the most modern cities as far as, you know, trams and like all these, the, the different areas it had and the markets and the, the, the design of it and how it like didn't have a like main shopping mall area and it was designed to get people shuffling around the city to different parts and, um, like the, the the whole the way it was set up it also covers like some of like the segregation of different cultures and stuff that is definitely racist but um you know australia shout outs um and then it goes through to i think it starts in like late 60s 70s when they start um start going oh a lot of our like as the queen's coming through for her visit let's uh let's we need to really 
try and follow in the steps of America and all these other bigger cities and our design something really outdated. So let's like tear down everything and rebuild it and stuff. And it covers a lot of the um the buildings that were lost and what happened to them, where what they are now. Like you, it is like sort of sad when you see like shots of the footage of stuff from like where there's this bustling and um bustling town areas and like people walking around and doing things and shopping and whatever and then it cuts to like mundane it's just like a fucking highway you know what i mean like it's just <laughs> it's sort of sad when you say it that way and i really appreciated especially as like the you know cinema cinema lover um there's a main i can't remember his name but there's a guy in this that covers comes in as a talking head to cover uh cinema history throughout melbourne um for the entire time and goes over the the cinemas that were lost um because they were torn down and how beautiful they were and all these sorts of things and then goes into the ones that have actually been kept um and are able to survive and focuses on the fact that some of these ones where it's like well if it's a one cinema complex how's it supposed to survive you know it can only do one showing at a time and you know such a antiquated way of thinking compared to the big you know sort of massive cinema chain complexes and stuff like that um but covers the you know the design of a lot of these places like these the the structural design of them is very beautiful and everything so um i really enjoyed it i don't know if you'd get a lot out of it if you don't live in australia because uh, there was an element of like obviously going to melbourne a lot and it'd be like oh there like that's crazy like fucking wild you know but um yeah I, I i would recommend watching it if you especially if you live in australia awesome all right let's move into the mandatory netflix segment of the show dylan you've watched chicken run dawn of the nugget i did didn't live up to my expectations Ooh. i i think it's decent but it definitely doesn't have the same You're magic missing mel gibson incorrect <laughs> that said zachary levi is very flat and boring as rocky um <laughs> I, I i don't know he just he doesn't he doesn't do justice i think it didn't need to be mel gibson for obvious reasons but um i, I don't feel like he quite has the back there um sandy newton taking over for ginger great job that's fine but uh rocky yeah but yeah i feel like it's listening it's just missing something I, I don't know what it is i i, I can't quite put my finger on it um maybe it's uh maybe it's just the it's like similar idea i don't know just something else it's like hey what's the idea for the movie or how about like uh, you know our child gets captured and we have to break in this time it's like sort of i don't know like it's still playing around the same sort of stuff like maybe it was a one and done maybe it's a thing i think i'd probably uh I'd probably chuck a solid six on it it has some funny jokes in it um i think that uh david bradley as fowler is uh very funny i think the the two uh was it daniel mays and ramesh uh fuck i don't remember his last name but um the voices of the the two rats whatever those characters names are they're quite funny um nick muhammad plays a new character in this one um this dumb scientist person who's like running the chicken farm place um that's quite good there's a new character in it that uh molly played by bella ramsey um who's very good as well um uh, molly's the the daughter of rocky and ginger um yeah like the there's some new characters and old ones that are really great and the voice cast is very is is, is, is everything there but i don't know just is missed uh, there's something missing here just some of the magic from the first film is definitely not quite here all right uh, I watched the documentary, I guess you call it. Uh, headliners only, Kevin Hart and Chris Rock, uh, which documents their comedy tour, or at least their one show that they did at the Madison Square Garden, um, in which they both performed on the same night back-to-back and that kind of stuff. It's fine. 
uh, it works. It, it doesn't really give you much of a backstage kind of look at the actual show, I guess. Um, but it does like hype them both up and explain why they, how they, their rise and how they became uh, prominent, like two of the biggest stand-up performers in the world. Um, it's just, yeah, I guess you'll enjoy it if you like Kevin Hart and Chris Rock. That's kind of what it breaks down to. Um, not much else. You know, it feels mostly like promotional material, which is interesting because none of them. You would think they would release this with in conjunction with the special, um, but you know, it's just released on its own, so it's kind of weird. But yeah, that's on Netflix if you want to watch it. <laughs> All right, let's move into that's everything we've been watching this week. Let's move into a little bit of film news, and uh, we've got the movie award season is taking focus with a bunch of nominations. Uh, being revealed in the past week uh most prominently i guess the golden globes uh which saw barbie getting a bunch of nominations uh so I'll just run through the best pic- motion picture drama and comedy best motion picture drama the nominees are Op- oppenheimer killers of the flower moon maestro past lives the zone of interest and the anatomy of a fall and best picture musical comedy are barbie poor things american fiction the holdovers, May, December, and Air. Uh, yeah, Dylan, what are your thoughts on uh, the Golden Globes at this point in time? Obviously, they've gone through a large shift. Uh, they've brought in like three hundred extra journalists to vote on the the awards, but obviously, in the past year, they've also been sold <laughs> to uh, I can't remember what the uh, uh, Pensk Media, who coincidentally. I also own, I think it's Variety and The Hollywood Reporter. So it's kind of this, like, they own the Golden Globes from, like, a media perspective and the actual ceremony perspective. So mm. what do you think of the Golden Globes? This, what are your thoughts? I think I saw them give Priscilla a comedy nomination. Possibly. <laughs> and that is, even as someone who hasn't watched the film, uh, dumb. <laughs> but also, we're talking about the people who nominated... Uh, uh, no, fucking... Priscilla's under best. Kaylee Spaney is under no, actress for motion picture drama. No, film. I just said the music comedy. It's under, but uh, it's not the best picture nominee. Mm. Um, I think the Golden Globes are a bit of a mess. They have been for years. I um, I don't really look forward to them. Uh, there's a lot of like controversy surrounding them, I guess. Um, and there, as you're just saying, there's some like weird what would you call it? Uh, like mixing of hands and tables happening behind the scenes. that just makes it quite odd. Mm. Yeah, it, it definitely is a little, it's interesting. Obviously it's going to be, it's an award show that people like and people watch. And obviously, you know, there's a mix of TV and uh, TV people and, and, and movie people. Um, Interesting. The most interesting category this year is they've introduced cinematic and box office achievement. The nominees are Barbie, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, John Wick Chapter 4, Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning Part 1, Oppenheimer, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, the Super Mario Brothers movie, and Taylor Swift, The Eras Tour. Shouldn't that award just go to whoever made the most money? Well, probably. <laughs> so, Barbie. Barbie. I think. Yeah, I believe Barbie. Uh, yeah, I mean, 
it's it's interesting <laughs> to say the least. So wait until uh, they add a most most um anticipated movie category. Oh, hopefully not. Um. Also, this week, Critics' Choice Awards announced their nominees. Uh, again, uh, Barbie earning a bunch of nominations. Uh, so the Best Picture nominees for the Critics' Choice Award are American Fiction, Barbie, The Color Purple, The Holdovers, Killers of the Flower Moon, Maestro, Oppenheimer, Past Lives, Poor Things, and Saltburn. Um, what do you think of that list? So uh, when's Maestro out? This week. Is well, it? it's been out in limited release. It's coming out, I want to say, this Friday. Okay. 20th or 22nd, something like that. Yeah, well, I, I, yeah. I'm saying like a, a little bit of that yet. So it's hard for me to fully vote on it. Mm. To be but this seems to be like the list that we'll probably see. I don't think Saltburn's going to make the final list, but uh, everything else from that list is probably going to be dominated, <laughs> I would assume. Uh, and then the only other awards nominations this week, well, I guess you have the Actor International Awards nominations, but I don't have that handy. <laughs> uh, but the Indie Spirit Award nominations got released this week as well. Uh, best feature nominees are All of Us Strangers, American Fiction, May, December, Passages, Past Live, and We're Grown Now. So, again, a couple of familiar names there. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's interesting to kind of see this kind of take shape. Obviously, the Academy Award nominations aren't super far away off the top of my head. Actor uh, best film was international film was American fiction, Barbie, Killers of the Flower Moon, Oppenheimer, and Poor Things. Hmm. Sounds about right. Best drama series, Beef, Succession, The Crown, The Last of Us, Yellow Jackets. Shout out. Yeah. Yellow Jackets getting some love. You know, the Emmys are only like a month away now, even less. Really? What, end of January? Yeah, I'm pretty sure they're in Jan- mid-January. Okay. Which makes things interesting. Uh, here we go. Dominates will be announced 23rd January. So that's still a while away for the Academy mm. Awards. But uh, yeah, we're kind of getting a taste of how everything is kind of taking shape. So that's exciting. Uh, this week, Netflix made an interesting move. <laughs> uh, reading from The Hollywood Reporter, Netflix has taken a big step towards data transparency yet. It's biggest step towards data transparency yet with the release of an exhaustive list of viewing time on the platform in the first half of 2023. The list includes worldwide viewing for more than 18,000 movies and seasons of TV, 18,012, 214 to be exact. Between January and June, those 18,214 titles had all seen at least 50,000 hours of viewing over these six months, encompassing 99% of all viewing on Netflix. VP strategy analyst and analysis Lauren Smith told reporters during a presentation of the data on Tuesday. Uh, it is the deepest dive into viewing that Netflix has be ever made public. Uh, so Dylan, I've got a list of the top 20 <laughs> things watched on Netflix worldwide in the first yeah, half. Just guess what the number one is. Most watch worldwide. Um, it's not. Is it in English? Yes. Okay. Um, is it the 
what uh is it the what's the the games show thing nope oh um no i'm out the number one thing watched on netflix between january and june 2023 was the night agent season one really yes amassing 812,000 hours viewed (laughs) oh no millions of hours viewed (laughs) it's a weird list number one night agent season one number two guinea and georgia season two number three the glory season one number four wednesday season one number five queen charlotte a bridgerton story number six you season four number seven lorena del sur season three Number eight, Out of Banks, season three. Number nine, Guinea and Georgia, season one. And number 10, Fubar, season one. Yeah, I couldn't have guessed it. Could not have guessed any of those. (laughs) It it just goes to show you all the critically acclaimed stuff that we claim to all be watching on Netflix. Mm -hmm. Nobody's watching. No one's actually watching. So, uh, what do you think of Netflix actually releasing a lot of this data? Do you think it's... uh, It's good. Like, obviously, because, like... It's not a bad thing to release my time. I just want to know why. <laughs> like, why else? And what's the reason? Yeah. I mean, a lot of people are saying it's due to agreements they made at the writer strike or actor strike. Yeah, okay. um, could be. Let's see. In a statement, Netflix CEO uh, Ted Sanderos said that the company has been on a continuum of becoming more transparent as its streaming business has matured. Early on, he said it wasn't our interest to be transparent because we were building a new business. And we didn't want to give any competitors a roadmap. Creators liked it too because they were free from the pressures of ratings, which, you know, isn't true. <laughs> this is probably more information than you need, but it creates a better environment for us for the guilds. We won some key concessions on data transparency in selling lab structures here for producers and for creators and the press. So, yeah. Uh, Netflix plans to continue semi annual reports of his viewing time. Cassandra said he wasn't sure other streamers would follow in his company's lead. So yeah, this could be something we see across the board more often, which is interesting because, you know, we all like numbers, let's be honest. Comparing numbers. Just being able to tell what's, what people are actually watching. But yeah, it just goes to show, you know, you never know what people are actually watching on Netflix. Nope. Okay. It's coming to the end of the year and one of our big stories from the year has come to a close. Walt Disney Company has fired Jonathan Majors from his upcoming Marvel films. IndieWire has confirmed from a rep from Marvel. There are no additional details on what the company's next steps will be or if the role of Kang the Conqueror will be recast. The Loki Season 2 star and Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania actor was found guilty of assault and harassment that New York City jury found on Monday, December 18th. Majors was found not guilty of one count of assaults uh, in the third degree and not guilty of aggravated assault in the second degree in the December ruling. So yeah, Major's sentencing will take place on February 6th with the actor facing up to a year in jail. So yeah, an ongoing story that we've kind of had to deal with the fallout all through here, kind of coming to a close. Uh, And it doesn't seem like a a move that Marvel probably should have made eight months ago, they finally made. (laughs) Or maybe they've been prepping to make, they finally pulled the trigger on. Yeah, it's very fast. <laughs> like, I'm pretty sure I saw the, the news story post and then 10 minutes later that it was like, Marvel's fired him. 
I think I think they had that press release ready to go. Yeah, they just clicked publish. That was the decision they just wanted to complete. They want they kind of they didn't want to take the first step. This mm. is the interesting thing. Like, they wanted like, oh well, I guess we have no choice. You know, he committed a crime. What are you going to do? Sure, these, all these allegations and other stuff and yeah, yeah. Um, I would say it's been interesting to watch everyone like a. The woman's name is Grace Jabari, um, his ex, who he assaulted. Um, so, you know, I'm glad that she ultimately will have, uh, you know, closure of some sort, which is good. Um, but yeah, I mean, obviously everyone like, I'm looking in the comment section of the news story and it is just straight to, what's Marvel going to do? And then once 10 minutes later, it's like, Oh my god! And then you know you've got every every second comment. Someone's like, they got it wrong. You know, like it's all like it's just such a. We live in a weird world, I tell you. We do, and yeah, obviously, you know, it's very disappointing. You know, especially for the people who worked on Magazine Dreams, which is obviously a film that that debuted at Sundance, critically acclaimed, is likely to never see. He's got a two release. films also currently sitting in limbo. Hmm. Two other films that probably will never get released now. One was a Spike Jones movie or something. Uh, let's have a look. Spike uh, Lee, sorry, I got a fucking Spike mother. Lee. I said Spike Jones. Yeah, I'm guessing the understudy. Yeah, is the Spike Lee movie, and then he was rumored to be playing Dennis Rodman in a film. Uh, is the what's lifted on IMDb? So yeah. Uh, the Spike Lee one seems to be in pre-production, so, you know, that could still be, he could still be recast for that, so. I don't know, I read be. somewhere that it's, I don't know if I got the information wrong, but. I don't well, know, anyway, it does just, whatever, who cares about him, but, like, I was just saying, like, obviously yeah. it sucks just, if people, yeah. like, spend Everybody a bunch around of time, him, yeah. yeah, it kind of taints them. Yeah, I mean, it's been, it, yeah, it's it's been a weird year where this this story is constantly being compared also to Ezra Miller and their story, um, and you know them having a massive movie coming out, even though they did they did a bunch of despicable things that have been caused to them getting arrested and that kind of stuff, and people like, well, he didn't get cancelled; he is still able to release this massive million multi million dollar movie. But you know, has he gotten any job since either? So, no, so. Disappointing because obviously they were very good at what they did, but uh, yeah, we don't really need them in our movies. There's enough actors in movies. This is the thing I always say. Like it is disappointing, but ultimately there's just there's more than enough good people out there. The good yeah. ones deserve the the time. And if a shitty one can get has to go to jail or never work again or both the things, um, to get someone else their shot who's not a shitty person, then you know, good. Yes, yeah, so be it. So be it. So this is an interesting one. Over in, uh, I want to say Japan, probably. <laughs> it doesn't specifically say. Uh, Jump Festa 2024 is taking place, and it was announced that Wit Studio and Netflix uh, have working, are making the One Piece, a new One Piece project. This project will recreate the story of the original One Piece manga, starting with the East Blue arc. A teaser visual and teaser video were revealed. Uh, 
George Wada, president of Wit Studios, left a short message saying, we need your help to excite everyone around the world once again with the classic story of One Piece, A Treasure of Japan. Are you ready to join our staff in this new adventure? We are currently recruiting new members for this project. We're looking forward. Uh, the One Piece anime, which celebrates its 25th anniversary in 24, is also entering a new chapter. The anime continues strong with over a thousand episodes of the series streaming on Crunchyroll. New episodes coming out each week as they air in Japan. Uh... Dylan, obviously, everybody's kind of got One Piece fever at the moment. Lots of people jumping in on the live-action adaptation and then being faced with the daunting task of an anime with a thousand episodes. Is this a smart... Is this a smart move? Mm. To do another adaptation while the other adaptation is still being done, I guess? It's it's, this odd, weird overlap, but it's like... There's like know. 25 years between the two starting points. Yeah. So. I don't know. If if it's good, people are happily going to watch it. So that's... A, it's only it's only if it's bad that it would be a horrible waste of money, I guess. Like, mm. I just... If it is at least decent, then people are just going to watch it. So it's like, yeah, it probably is. Yeah. To me, this is a very smart move. Uh, obviously, getting a very good studio on it. Uh, Wit Studios has done the Spy X Family anime recently which is very popular um and uh, from all reports like the first you know the you know if they can streamline a lot of the stuff from the the manga and like kind of condense you know i think lots of people mention the words filler in one piece in the same sentence um so, you know condense it uh i know a lot of the uh, animation has especially early on is a bit dated so, you know, if you, like, bring it to more Bond-esque standards and that kind of stuff, it's just interesting, obviously, that they're going to pretty much tell the same story again that they told in the anime, uh, the live-action anime adaptation, so. But, yeah, this will become, a, it, again, also interesting that they've paired up with Netflix, like, straight out of the gates. Like, Netflix is like, yes, this is something that we want. It makes 100% sense based on probably the figures that they saw for One Piece. So, yeah, all you anime fans there, very exciting. Dylan, every week we get so much casting news, but this week's different. This week, they announced this year's Blacklist. Of course, the Blacklist is uh, a list of the most uh, popular or best uh, unproduced screenplays currently available out there. Um, So we're going to cover it in a segment we like to call Would You Want to Invest? So this week, I'm going to give Dylan pretty much a plot synopsis or the pitch for a film. And he's going to tell me if you would like to fully invest, not invest, or partially invest. And then history will be the judge. Infamously, uh, I think it was, oh, what's the Will Smith film? that <laughs> About uh, Serena Williams' father? One? Oh, um, yeah, that one. That one. That was on a blacklist that we covered on an episode that Dylan didn't want to invest in. So we lost a bunch of hypothetical money i didn't know will smith uh, would be in it you know like that's true you know yeah so this is based purely on premise all right so we got bad boy by travis braun a rescue dog suspects his loving new owner is a serial killer <laughs> fully invested <laughs> no yeah fully invested <laughs> Stay Course by Justin Busecki. 
a racetrack veterinarian who runs an off-the-books ER for criminals finds his practice and life in jeopardy when he's recruited for his patient's heist. Fully invest. Spoiler by jo- Jordan Rosenblum. After passing on a hot new screenplay, a studio executive finds himself trapped as the protagonist inside the film and must regain control before the credits roll. Fully invest. Head Games by Colin Little. A corporate spy poses as a personal chef to the disgraced founder of a neuroprosthetics firm in order to steal his seismic shifting new invention from his secluded villa in Greece. What? Um, <laughs> nah, I'm out for that one. None of this. Didier by Jackson Killard. Uh, the inspiring true story of international soccer icon Didier Drogba and his efforts to end a bloody civil war in his home country of Ivory Coast, not just with the skill of his feet, but with the power of his voice. That's a terrible tagline. Um, no, invest. High concept. In the early 2000s, two totally opposite best friends, Mike, an uptight lawyer, and BJ, a stoner slacker, awake one morning to find they have swapped bodies, are stuck in a time loop, and are affected with many other high concept comedy premises of that era. Drawing upon their knowledge of those types of movies, Mike and BJ must learn their lessons and get their lives back to normal. Stars Ice Cube and Mike Epps. Um, yeah, um, partial this. Patsy. The untold and unfiltered true story of legendary country singer Patsy Cline from her humble beginnings in Virginia to her untimely death at the heart of her fame. Don't know who that is. Non-vest. Forbidden Fruits by Meredith Alloway and Lily Houghton. Uh, Free people employee Apple secretly runs a witchy femme cult in the basement of the ball store after hours with fellow fellow fruits, cherry and fig. When new hire pumpkin challenges their girl boss ways, the women are forced to face their own poisons or succumb to a bloody fate. No, what the hell you just said? No invest. <laughs> Return to sender by Russell Goldman. When a woman experiences delivery scams that grow increasingly personal and strange, she becomes hell bent on discovering her anonymous sender. Nah, nothing. First You Hear Them by Sean Harrigan. A group of 20-somethings try the perfect drug for the first time. It's only when they come down from the euphoric high that the hauntings begin. First you hear them, then you see them, then they come for you. Yeah, I'm in. Fully invest. Forages by Sam Boyer. Where the illegitimate daughter of a Portland billionaire goes missing, her loved ones turn to Juno and Andy, local homesteaders and members of the Forages a grassroots network of experts dedicated to finding the lost and bringing them home. Nah, sounds like gibberish. Carousel by Rachel Lambert. A family doctor in East Cleveland juggles his personal life as he reconnects with his old flame, deals with his teenage daughter's problems, and selling his family medical practice. Too relatable. No invest. (laughs) Hot Mess by Sandra Wakefield. Sandra Wakefield. Sandy was once a formidable investigative reporter until a bungled story destroyed her credibility and forced her into the soul-sucking world of tabloid gossip. Nowadays, are spent covering hot mess celebrity Margot Margo Ford. When a disillusioned Sandy is called to Fiji to follow Margot's 
legitizing, she discovers a surprise about Margot's real identity, which sends her on an adventure she never imagined as the two must team up to take down a massive sinister corporate plot with global implications all taking place at a luxury island resort. Passion vs. Chelsea Green should sue. Hit Me, Baby! by Kurt McLeod. After Liv, a world-class hitman, uh, after Liv, a world-class hitwoman, breaks up with her boyfriend, Martin, he puts out a massive contract on her life to get her attention. What Martin doesn't realize is that it's an open contract with a 48-hour exploration. So now every assassin in the Western Hemisphere is coming after him. Liv makes a deal to keep him safe until the contract expires if he pays her out the full bounty. With the clock ticking, the two must elude some of the world's most prolific killers. Eh, it just sounds like another John Wick wannabe. No invest. Polo by Nicka Burnett. Uh, when a young woman returns home from the Navy, she joins a local water polo team and finds herself fighting a new battle. <laughs> Is it a shark? Um, no invest. <laughs> Why would it be a shark? <laughs> Polo was played in a pool. You never know. The Nest by Aaron Benjamin. Confined to the Nest, a Secret Service sniper gets a strange call on the radio from a deranged mastermind who's holding his family hostage in a box suite during America's biggest game, Super Bowl. No. We Got Next by Aaron Goldberg, Alex Goldberg, Michael Goldberg. The true story of how one daring executive beat the odds to launch the longest-running league in women's sport, the WNBA. Uh, Partial. 10-2402 by Connor McKnight's. On one rainy night in October, a man checks into the Mooncrest Hotel. He never leaves. A real-time single-location thriller in the aftermath of a heist at Area 51. Uh, no. The Prophet. An astonishing true story of an unknown evangelical Christian immigrant, Billy Huang, who suffered the greatest loss of wealth in American history, gambling away his $35 billion fortune and jeopardizing the entire financial system in under 48 hours. Uh, yeah, full invest. Better Half a co- by Galen Gold. A codependent woman unravels when her best friend gets a boyfriend. <laughs> what? That's not a movie, Snops. No invest. Alright, last one. Uh, Fitmas by, Fistmas by Jack Waze. In order to propose to the girl of his dreams, a love-struck guy must first survive her hometown's annual Christmas fighting tournament. Partial? Okay. We'll see We'll see if any of these actually get made. <laughs> uh, and if they're good, very excited for the future. But let's talk about some movies that we actually know are coming out with this week's Thons of Trailers. Of course, you can find all the trailers we're about to talk about in the show notes below. Kick things off with Origin, directed by Eva DuVernay, starring Arjuan Ellis, John Barenthal, Vera Farmiga, Audrey McDonald, Nisi Nash-Betts, Nick Offerman, and Blair Underwood. Grappling with tremendous personal tragedy, writer Elizabeth Wilkerson uh, sets herself on a path of global investigation and discovery as she writes, writes, cast, the origins of our discontents. Do you uh, you're a big Ava DuVernay fan? What do you think I of this track? Double thumbs up. Looks great. Can't wait to watch it. Um, uh, very interesting, I think, uh, set up. Like, when the movie tra- trailer started, I was like, I know what I'm watching here. Like, what's the story here? But then, you know, as it got further and further into it, I was like, oh, okay. Yep, sure. This looks like it's going to be complete, very deep. So, um, 
it looks like it's going to be, as the kids say, a lot. Okay. Uh, yeah, I think I'll just lean into two thumbs up. I think there's a, like you said, there's a lot happening in this trailer. It's not exactly clear what the structure of this is going to be. Because obviously there's a lot of footage of flashbacks and that kind of stuff. It's like, are those going to be fleshed out or is it just flashbacks that they're, like they're being used in the trailer, just like quick snippets in the film? Or are those characters we're actually going to explore and that kind of stuff Um, in some way? But uh, yeah, I mean, it looks good. Interesting story, interesting concept. And obviously, you know, it kind of opens with like the George Zimmerman story. I want to say off the top of my head Uh, or like a recreation anyway. Um, So yeah, very interesting. Uh, So this one is releasing in the U S January 19th, no Australian real estate. Next trailer is for, which brings me to you directed by Peter Hutchings, starring Nat Wolf, Lucy Hale, Brittany Oldford, Genevieve Anderson, Alexander Hodge, and John Gallagher Jr., Two romantic burnouts meet at a wedding and almost hook up in a courtroom before putting the brakes on. They agree to exchange candid confessions about their past on the off chance this might be the real thing. Tell them, what do you think of this rom-com? I think I was halfway through the trailer and I was like, oh, wow, it's like Ash's fucking favourite movie. It's favourite genre. <laughs> um, yeah, I'll give it a double thumbs up. Looks like it could be fun. Um, sort of the trailer felt like I watched the whole bloody movie, but... Uh, yeah, uh, I'm keen. Looks like there's good chemistry between Lucy Hale and that Will, so yeah, double thumbs up, sure. Yeah, I'll give it two thumbs up as well. I, I I agree. I feel like they do cover almost the entire movie in this trailer, which is an issue, but, you know, this is my thing, like, high-concept rom-com. <laughs> yep. Uh, very enjoyable. I like the idea of them kind of uh, exploring their memories, like, uh, almost actually, like, uh, like them popping up in each other's memories and that kind of stuff and talking to them directly, breaking the third wall or whatever. Fourth wall, I guess. Um, so yeah, this seems like it'll be a delightful time. Uh, so this is also releasing in the US on the 19th of January. Also no Australian release date. Next trailer is for Miller's Girl, directed by Jade Haley Bartlett, uh, starring Jenna Ortega and Martin Freeman. A talented young writer embarks on creative odyssey when her teacher assigns a project that entangles them both in an increasingly complex web. As lines blur and their lives intertwine, Professor and Protégé must confront their darkest selves while straining to preserve their individual sense of purpose and the things they hold most dear. Dylan, what did you think of this very controversial trailer? Um, double thumbs up. I think it looks really good. Keen to watch it. I think both Martin Freeman and Jenna Ortega look great in it. Um... I'm keen to see this. So they used to make movies like this, I guess. Like, you know, teacher gets with student sort of like as sexy movies, I guess. Um, And it's like, obviously, now as the human race, I guess, move forward and realize it's problematic. Um, I'm interested to see like how this movie does the subject matter. Yeah, I agree. It's two thumbs up, I think. Uh, based on the talent involved, I think I don't think they would agree to do something that doesn't tackle this subject matter in the right way. <laughs> um, and it definitely get feels like General Tager's character is the one 
pulling all the strings kind of you know and martin freeman's just kind of got caught in her web i guess is the best way to describe it um but yeah i mean it and the weird thing is it doesn't seem like they're actually doing anything it's just like she's um written stuff that implies that stuff happens so she's flirting with him he's definitely getting too close to her based on the trial they're not like doing anything doing anything too wrong but like obviously they're getting like but again this is the trailer so we don't know so um but yeah seeing some of the reaction of the trailer has been interesting i haven't seen anything kind of people getting upset like saying they shouldn't be covering the subject matter and that kind of stuff and also they have a like a fucking may december uh, is literally all about this subject matter i didn't see anyone complain about that you don't you didn't see the people complaining as but well i've seen more people complaining about them considering it a comedy uh but yeah i've seen people you know upset about why they tackle the subject matter and that kind of stuff um they have a you know like they have like a disclaimer thing at the end of the trailer like oh if you want to talk to people about all these issues go to this link and there's just like a bunch of very basic kind of stuff mm. on the link so people have been upset about that as well yeah so yeah uh mills girl releasing in the u.s on the 26th of january <laughs> no australian release date next trailer can you Kung fucking Fu- pick something with an australian release date jesus christ I can't help it that we live in a country that constantly oh, gets yeah. fucked. <laughs> <laughs> Kung Fu Panda 4, directed by Mike Mitchell, uh, starring Jack Black, Dustin Hoffman, James Hong, Brian Cranston, Ian McShane, Aquafina, Viola Davis, and Kihu Kwan. Poe must train a new warrior when he's chosen to become the spiritual leader of the Valley of Peace. However, when a powerful shape-shifting sorcerer sets her eyes on his staff of wisdom, he suddenly realizes he's going to need some help. Teaming up with a quick-witted Corsac Fox, Poe soon discovers that heroes can be found in the most unexpected places. Dylan, what do you think of the Kung Fu Panda 4 trailer? I think I only watched the first Kung Fu Panda. That's how I... Mm, I feel like that's probably the case for many people yeah and like not not like i didn't like it but i just for some reason i never watched love ones never did yeah so i know and this this very much seems like they're like i don't know the start of a next chapter i guess sort of thing like after the, the first three or something you know it, it has big legacy sequel lives <laughs> yeah it does which is weird for a thing like this but an animated film that is yeah. timeless yeah <laughs> They're like, oh, Poe, you got to become a fucking peace monk now, or whatever the hell he's got to do. Um, he's becoming the turtle from the Yeah. I don't know. I'll, I'll go double thumbs up. It looks like fun. Animation looks good. Um, Aquafina's in everything now. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, Charlie's good. So I just, I wasn't super excited about the film or anything because I just haven't seen the other ones. But yeah, decent. Good trailer. Yeah, I'll give it two thumbs up as well. Interesting concept and like bringing back, it seems like they'll bring back a lot of the villains from the previous films as a power source for the main villain of this film, voiced by uh, Michelle Yao. Um, it was Michelle, right? Yeah, it was. Or Viola Davis, my person, sorry. Close. Uh, yeah, yeah, very similar. Uh, in Academy Awards. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it looks good. I think, again, this is one that's kind of caused division. I 
it feels like a lot of people have been turning on Aquafina. Like that was the thing that I saw most about this trailer. It's like, oh, Aquafina is another thing. You know, she's not really changing her voice, but they're, Jack Black. they're putting in these because her voice is unique and you know it works for kids' movies. Um, but yeah, I mean, it looks enjoyable. I'm keen. Uh, this trailer also pointed out that I haven't seen Dustin Hoffman in something for ages. <laughs> yeah, I thought he was dead, hey? <laughs> <laughs> All right, on that note, Kung Fu Panda is coming to Australian cinemas on the 28th of March. Last trailer for this week is another one that's been talked about a lot. <laughs> Civil War, directed by Alex Garland, starring Kirsten Dunst, Wagner Moreau, uh, Stephen McKinley Henderson, Kaylee Spaney, Jesse Plemons, and Nick Offerman. In the near future, a team of journalists travel across the United States during a rapidly escalating civil war that has engulfed the entire nation. Dylan, you're an Alex Garland fan. What do you think of Trailer for Civil War? I thought it looked really good. I'm going to double thumbs up. Um, maybe it's because I'm not in America. Most of the people who are annoyed about it are American, at least. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, maybe that's part of the problem. Most of the arguing I've seen is like, this movie's plot is dumb. This would never happen because the South would never... Like, you might have people doing this thing, but I'm like... I think they're very, it's very specific because they say the two states that team up yeah. are California and Texas, who yeah. are currently kind of opposed politically. Yes. But I'm like, that's done on purpose. Maybe that's part of the plot. Maybe we should just wait for the movie. I don't know. Like, am I being crazy? <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I think it's very intense looking film, obviously, but I, I'm very keen for it. Um, I think the cast is fantastic, it looks like. I'm keen to see Wagner Mora um, out of the, the cast the most in this and like sort of a, a leading um, big American film role, I guess, and not playing a bad guy because, you know, we're going to cast the 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 fucking dude from was he? he's actually from like brazil or some shit but like the non-white dude is a villain um but anyway he's from mexico um not i'm sorry mexico uh narcos and played the fucking cartel dude whatever mm-hmm. um chris dance looks great in it jesse Plemons looks great as a fucking nazi or whatever the hell he's doing um american <laughs> <laughs> nick offman's like make america great again president yeah let's let's go you know double thumbs up okay yeah, this is two thumbs up for me. I was surprised by the backlash because it looks maybe again it is because we aren't American. <laughs> it's like uh, we're like, oh, this seems like a personally this this seems like the writing's on the wall for this. And I've seen a lot of people uh, be like, the last thing I want to know, I want to watch is something like this next year when the election's happening. But I'm like, maybe yeah. that's the point. Like, I don't know. Like, maybe this is like we need to come together before this actually happens. Yeah, but like this is what's going to happen. Uh, but yeah, I think Americans getting upset that obviously it's a movie written and directed by Brit about america um and then also like people getting upset because it's focused on journalists and like them covering the news it's like it's very weird the reaction to this trailer um to me i was like oh cool they finally adapted dmz in a cool way rather Mm. than the hbo series Uh, that also covered a very similar idea um but yeah i'm keen I never watched Men, so I don't, you know. So. Well, that's all right. They left it out of his, from the director of part in the trailer, so. Yeah, Annihilation. <laughs> <laughs> Annihilation, a movie that came to Netflix and nobody actually watched. And uh, 
Ex Machina, which obviously is a massive hit. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm keen. I'll be interested to see it. And just obviously, this is their first venture by A24 for bigger budget movies as well. So uh, I feel like they've got a reasonable amount riding on this, <laughs> being mm. somewhat successful. They're shooting for the fucking stars of this one, like as far as like. Well, they're just getting a little bit more ambitious. Let's, yeah. let's get yeah. Let's try and make something a bit more um big budget and you know less like weird indie film vibes. Let's see. Oh, no, let's make crack- something about the fucking civil war in America set in modern day. <laughs> yeah let's let's try and make some money what can be the most divisive thing that we could triple c yeah. try and put out so all right uh this one is releasing in the u.s on the 26th of april there is currently no australian release date it's a24 it'll come out here in it's a24 well it's a big budget movie so maybe they want to have the a24 can you please get a partnership with an australian fucking um re- release studio yeah Distribu- Australian distributors, yeah. like, throw some money at A24. Holy shit. Like, fuck. All right, let's move to this week's top three. Definitely in the top three. And this one's pretty simple. This week's top three is top three last-minute Christmas gifts. Uh, Dylan, what's your number three? Number three is a gift card. Village cinemas, event cinemas, indie theater cinema. You know, like solid gift card won't go wrong. I'll use it. It's a good choice. My number three, it's just a Blu-ray. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> just get them, get them a movie, a physical media that they will never lose. In the it very can't good be taken t- from them, <laughs> can't, they're not going to break into the house and steal it forever. Uh, you know, if you want a safe bet, get either Barbie or Oppenheimer, or maybe both. Mm. Okay. Even if they've got it, they can probably re-gift to somebody else. So, yeah. What's better than a gift you can use, but one that you can re-gift, you know? Yeah. Dylan, what's number two? Number two is this game I kept seeing a lot of places lately. I don't know if it's just like marketing or something, but Cinephile, a card game. I don't know if you've seen this. It's got cool yes. art. Um, I don't actually know how you play the game, but it looks like there's like... I believe there are a variety of different ways you can play the yeah, game. Yeah, it's like easy, medium, hard. I don't know. It looks like it's got cool art in the cards. Anyway, I've seen it pop up a bunch of places recently. Marketing's got me, so yeah, that's my pick. Alright. My number two. Fancy popcorn. Listen, anytime you if you didn't have popcorn when you watch a movie, did you even have watch a movie? Uh so you know, just get some very nice fancy popcorn or like uh you know, just a nice set with some nice seasoning. Or like even just uh something something to help people make popcorn at home. Yeah. That's my number two. <laughs> What's your number one? Last minute Christmas gift idea. Apple TV 4K. <laughs> the actual device. The actual device. As someone who loves the Apple TV 4K. Um, it'd be a great gift for anyone who watches a lot of streaming. Um, any of the streaming services and uh, likes to be able to rent movies and stuff like that. You don't need an Apple device, but obviously it helps. Um, but yeah, I don't. I don't remember the last time I saw my my TV's my smart TV's actual menu. I don't use it. It's slow. It's <laughs> sluggish. It's shit. Everything looks better on the Apple TV. It has better uh, video codecs. It has better special audio codecs. Uh, full Dolby stream, uh, Dolby support and everything. So um, it's very fast. They did an update the other day. The menu looks great. Um, that'd be my pick. Upgrade, upgrade, upgrade your TV. Make it better. All right. My number one 
this is streaming service subscription. Just buy somebody three months, twelve months, depending if you like them or not. What if they've already it got doesn't it? Matter How which do you one. do that? Like, do you just give them the money, or no? They can just apply it to their subscription or they can cancel the subscription and then use the card okay i think it's probably how you have to do it yeah i don't know but you know it's it it's a nice thought and there's a large number of different streaming services uh even if it's not one of the basic ones you know give them a a, a doc play uh subscription they probably don't have that or or a bread box or <laughs> depending on what kind of ones and all that or you know what would be a great subscription to give them 12, 12 months of VIP access to track.com. <laughs> You're not going to be even better gift. What? 12 months Kofi support to explosionnetwork.com slash support. In their name. They would really appreciate yeah, that, probably. Really appreciate that. Thing. Yeah. Dylan, this week, what do you want to watch? Uh, movie Rebel Moon. Let's see if it's as shit as everyone says it is. <laughs> what do you think around the discourse that Netflix has decided to cut this movie up? take an hour out of it and then eventually have another cut do you think that's a real story or is it snyder fans trying to justify why this movie is not good it could be both is the thing i don't like they both the it is it could be true or could not be true and we i don't know so we shall see um i'm also like maybe i'll like it i like snyder stuff most of the time at least even if i think mm. it's like pretty average i can appreciate you think this. they're being too harsh <laughs> No, I don't know. Maybe this shit, Wolf. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'll just get to enjoy Charlie Hunnam being Charlie Hunnam, I guess, for a little while and doing his thing. Um, that'll be fun. So I don't know. Looks wild. Watch it anyway. So I'm keen for that. Obviously, it's a massive movie for Netflix. So I'm um, gonna strap in. And um, TV show pick would be uh, Doctor Who on the 26th. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good pick. Good pick. Uh, my number one is the Boxing Day movie I haven't seen, Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom. Let's let's see what this is. Is it Jason Momoa's last ride in that yellow outfit? Probably. Yeah, it's going to be crazy wildness with James Wan. I'm very, I'm very keen to check this out in the cinema. I'm pretty excited. Uh, and then on the TV front, I'm excited to check out uh the new Post Jackson and the Olympians TV series, which will launch this week uh yeah i was from all reports it's much more faithful to the books uh obviously in a tv series setting you know you can expand on stuff a lot more than you can in a movie so very keen all right let us know what you want to watch this week by going to explosion.com slash twitter or jump discord at explosion.com slash discord if you want to help us out here at what do you want to watch leave us a review on our podcast on podchaser leave us five stars and you can leave five stars or just tell people about the show. And if you enjoyed this episode, four is worth a dollar, head on over to our COVID page at explosion.com slash support. Uh, so obviously this episode has been late, but we're also not putting out an episode next week because <laughs> of holidays. Uh, when are we back? We're back. Early, I think it's the first week of January. I mean, other than that, there'll be episodes for the movies and TV award week, but your first yes. normal episode will be the 24th. Yes, there'll be other stuff every week, but normal episode, 24th of January. So until then, remember, keep watching stuff, I guess. Make your first movie of 2024 a good one. Yeah. And your last one of 2023.
Yeah. Because that stays on the track list yeah. forever. I usually end up watching a shit one, to be completely honest. 